2: Hello everyone, and welcome to another absolutely fantastic episode of good game. Nice try. I'm one of your hosts Aaron Blair, and I was by the way asked to come in hot, which is why I <laughs> sounded same. And here's my co-host, Sonia Reed. Was that <laughs> hot enough for you? I, I maybe I, I regret saying, come in hot. I feel like my natural state is hot. And I'm not talking about my appearance, which is a fucking nightmare, but I'm saying <gasps> I'm saying like my normally I'm just like one of those little dogs that's always trying to get up on the couch. Oh. That's me. That is me and that's my personality at all times, which you you definitely know. Um, here's the thing. I- I'm very excited because I, well, first of all, just a little, you want a little, little tidbit about old Blay? a little fact on the back of the trading card? Yeah, yeah. I never replay video games ever. I never replay games. I'm just not what? a guy. Yeah. Life's too short. Million games out there. Uh, why replay a game? But I recently have not only replayed one game, but two games in a three game series. And I'm going to start replaying the third game. And those games are the Bioshock Collection. Yes. I recently beat Bioshock 2, and I'm starting on Bioshock Infinite this evening. So
3: what made you come back to it
2: after after all this time? Well, A, peer pressure from uh, the old chat. We're doing live streams, uh, okay. peer pressure. It's a fun game to watch. Yeah. Because uh, the art direction is great. The story's fun. It's scary. There's action. There's, you know. But also, I couldn't, you know, one thing I really like about myself is I have a great memory for story. Mm. And so I just love story, so I remember a lot of pieces of story. I couldn't remember how Bioshock 2 ended.
3: Oh, uh, okay. That was
2: part of it. I couldn't I remember see that. how
3: it ended. Although I am so insanely jealous of you because I am the
2: complete opposite. Oh, I know. When we talk, trust me, you don't know any celebrities? No, I you don't, don't. You don't fucking know. You don't remember the plot to anything. I think no, I don't. We were watching a movie and you were like, "How did this start?" And I'm like, "What the fuck?" It was
3: like ten minutes ago. No, that that's my daily. That's my daily. It's like in in one ear, out the other, and it's with everything. But you know what? I've I've but I love that. That's what I've learned. You know what? Yes, thank you. I I'm learning to love that, uh, and as long as I can get over me looking like an absolute f an idiot, you never do. um I get to re. Enjoy the plot over and over because yeah. I have no idea what
2: happens. <laughs> but here's the great thing about Bioshock Two, because I was like, God, I don't remember any of this. I never beat Bioshock Two. <laughs> I never played it all the way <gasps> uh, <laughs> through. And I was like, and there are moments that are like great and scary. I was like, what the fuck? I don't. There's this point where, and guys, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin Bioshock Two for you. But what? How old is this game? So whatever. Yeah, there, there should
3: be like you know at a certain year yeah. or so after you can. Say what you want. This is not
2: even, I'm not even ruining it for anybody, but there's a part in the game where uh, you have to do stuff for this guy. You have to collect these plants. And he's in this giant, he's been mutated into a giant building-sized creature and is asking you to kill him, right? And I was like, I don't fucking remember this fucking building so like I cuz I'm watching I'm like watching this thing and like then the guy spinning in the tank and I was like this is awesome. <laughs> Why don't I remember this awesome piece? And then I was like, oh yeah, I've ne- I never beat this game. <laughs> um so anyway, that was the joy for me that I recently experienced beating BioShock 2, which is really fun. So wait, you replay games over and over and over and over. What is what is a game that you haven't played for a second time that you feel like you would go back to?
3: Honestly, I would have said BioShock a thousand percent. You would
2: say BioShock yes. too until I spoiled the thing about the guy in the tank. Yeah.
3: Well, now I'm like, well, now I don't need to. Now minor it's all it's all character. coming back to me. Now I remember the whole plot. Minor character. You you ruined all. Of, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I would still uh, I would still replay the first one. The first one, it's just, it's so good. Yeah, it stuck with me for so long. Have you played Infinite? You know, that's one of the ones that I started uh, and I never
2: finished. Okay, it's your, it's your, your (laughs) Bioshock. My Bioshock Infinite is your Bioshock (laughs) 2. You need to finish Bioshock Infinite. Go back and play it because it is, it does stand as, in my mind, top five endings of any video game. Truly. I mean, it's really great. Ugh. It's really great. It's insane. I think I
3: need to. Am I going to Am I gonna do, am I doing your path right now? Am I going to go through all the
2: Bioshocks again? Wait, I have an idea. Let's play it at the same time. Jen, Jen, you play it also. The three of us play. It'll be like book club. Oh my God. Wait, guys. It'll be like a <gasps> book, book club, club. a game club. Big book club, a game club. Guys, Jen, what do you think? Have you ever played any of the Bioshocks?
4: Never. And they've been on my list. I just haven't. Guys, here's,
2: here's an idea, here's an idea, okay. Uh-huh. Game book club, okay? So why don't we ask all of our listeners, all right, and we'll vote on what game the three of us should play at the same time along with our listeners and like a book club, we can all play the game together and experience it together.
4: I love this.
2: Yeah, so guys, if you are listening and you have a idea of what would be great for our first game book club,
4: Game Book Club. We are sticking with that title. Yeah, yeah and
2: we're not going to rework the name. No. We're just, we're going to run with it. It's Game Book Club. If you game have book an club. idea of what our first <laughs> Game Book Club game should be, hit us up on Twitter at GGNT or using hashtag GGNT or using, honestly, hashtag Game Book Club. Love that. Which is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, let us know, and we'll we'll vote on what game we should all play together and experience together and talk about it. I think that could be a really fun experience.
4: Absolutely. I like that. I love it. That'll be fun. Um,
2: I, I'm very excited about our guest uh, today. He's an old pal of mine. I, I feel so lucky to call this guy a friend. Our guest today is an extremely talented comic book writer and television host who has written for both Marvel and DC, including things like Green Lanterns, Nightwing, Harley Quinn, the crossover event, Guardians of the Galaxy and X-Men, The Black Vortex. He was also the co-host of DC Daily on DC Universe. This guy does it all, and I am so excited to talk to him today. Please welcome Sam Humphreys. What's up, y'all? Welcome. I'm
5: so excited to be here. Thank you, thank you.
2: One of of the great gifts of my life is that I get to have such talented, cool friends. And you are one of my favorite people, and I'm so excited to have you on today, not just as a friend, but... In a professional
5: capacity, dude. Thank you.
3: I gotta ask, how did you guys meet? How did oh two God. such like-minded individuals get connected?
5: The, the the answer, in fact, is Tumblr. We met on Tumblr. We met through That's the right. the Los Angeles Aww. Tumblr scene back in the yeah. day. Yeah.
3: For for a really quick second, I heard Tinder, and I I had a
5: couple other well, we reconnected really on Tinder. But... That's oh, how okay, we started. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. The... Exactly. That's <laughs> but yeah. But Tumblr exactly. first.
2: Tumblr first. So what was your, I mean, how did you get to L.A.? What was your experience getting here?
5: God, it's crazy because just two days ago is my 23rd anniversary of moving to <gasps> Los Angeles. Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. So, right. you know, doing a lot oh of self-reflection, just uh, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of journaling, thinking about those early days. Um, Love it. Love it. Uh, it's, it started off when I dropped out of art school. Um, it, it wasn't enough for me just to drop out of college. I had to drop out of <laughs> art school. Like, I just, I'm going to go all the way. Shout out to Savannah <laughs> College of Art and Design, uh, the the institution from which I am not an alum. I did not graduate, so can't <laughs> Shout claim outs. them. They can't claim me. Shout out to them. There A- we go. Hey, A-
3: free man, free man. That's right, exactly.
5: Uh, I... God, I you know what? I had a professor. I was studying interactive design at the time, which um, meant that we learned how to how to make websites and CD-ROMs. And I'll let you figure out which of those two like led my path forward in 1998. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I made exactly one CD-ROM in school, and then went on to make a shitload of websites. <laughs> so uh, I had this professor who was like. He pulled me into his office after the first class and he was like, you already know everything I'm going to teach you in this class. Like, you've already figured it all out. And he was like, you could just go to New York or L.A. right now and make a ton of money making websites like today. And I was kind of like, huh. You're like, hmm. That is the worst thing you could have told me if you wanted me to stick around at this school.
3: <laughs> like,
5: now that you mention it. Uh- yeah, that sounds extremely appealing to me. Uh, so I I had a very ill-conceived plan uh, in which I did not save up money, I did not get a job <laughs> ahead of time, I did not I have it. a solid living situation, uh, but I moved out to Los Angeles. Had a terrible first month. Had a horrible, horrible first month. One of the, like just the the most discouraging, horrible months of my life. Man. And uh, but at the end, I was literally about like two days from calling my dad and being like I. I, I blew it, and I have to move to Minnesota and, like, live in your basement. And then uh, I was staying with two friends of mine from high school, and they got back, and they, like, couldn't talk fast enough at me. They were, like, so excited, my friend and his girlfriend, and they were just at my friend's girlfriend's older sister's bridal shower, at which they met my friend's girlfriend's older sister's ex-college roommate. And this ex-college roommate was like, yeah, me and my husband just started this, like, web design company we can't find people to hire they're like you gotta hire Sam. you gotta hire safe you gotta hire safe <laughs> so like that literally saved me wow. from like t- within two two days jaws of defeat time um and i worked there for three years and had a great time and you know by the end of that i was like established and i had a, yeah. a place and a car and friends and uh, you know just so that's that's how it came to uh, pass
2: stars aligned it really did and here's the thing, which is so you obviously now you know co-host of DC Daily, a uh, uh, extremely accomplished uh, uh, comic book writer, um, and among many other talents. But you know one thing, and I didn't tell Sonya what your our love is real. You you published a, <laughs> your very your very first comic book. So so the websites and now what and now what? So
5: websites so, and I kind of took a, like a bunch of different paths uh, over the years, but then it was. Um, Uh, 2009, as you might remember, the end of 2008 was real shit for the economy, and a bunch of banks that went belly up, and all this stuff. Um, And I was working at uh, MySpace at the time when it was very cool. cool. When it was very cool. cool. I saw that look on your face. Yes. No, No, I'm very excited. (laughs) So, uh, and one one of the many things I did there was I I ran MySpace comic book, so I was extremely well networked in the industry and I got laid off as a lot of people did not just at Myspace but throughout the world and I was like there will never be a better time for me to try and be a comic book writer like I'm not married I don't have kids I don't have a mortgage it's not a done deal this is not definitely going to happen but uh it's not going to get any better than this. Yeah. So like it's it's literally the moment that I'm going to remember on my deathbed. <laughs> so like how do I want to remember this that I wow. went for it or that I went back into yes. your know, new media which I also loved but um so I hustled and wrote and made a bunch of pitches and um got like two short stories published but that was about it after a year or so. And I was the, the end of that year, like in December and just looking forward, I was like, I have these 10 to 12 pitches that I keep circulating around publishers and none of them are gaining traction just because of the production cycles. Like it's likely that I will not have a comic book out this year in this tiny amount of momentum that I have built up is, is just going to go away. And at the end of this year, I'm probably not gonna be able to do this anymore. Like I'm going to have to go back to like a full-time corporate job, which is totally great, but not my plan. So I, I grew up in the nineties and in the nineties in comic books, there was a, a huge self-publishing push and it, it was a, a means of liberation for creators from publishers. So in comics self-publishing is like a badge of honor Uh, it's not quite the same in other industries, which is why I'm explaining it this way. But those were my heroes back then. These these are people like um, Jeff Smith, who did Bone, which is now wildly successful, and David Lapham, and uh, Scott McCloud. And so I was like, I just want to know at the end of the day that I did everything I could to to become a comic book writer. And if I don't at least self-publish, if I don't, like take these lessons from my heroes then i will know that i i didn't do everything i could so i was like all right i'm I'm going down these pitches gotta take it all the way baby i'm 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 trashing the 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 shittiest of them and i literally picked the two that i thought that nobody else would ever make like the concepts that if i didn't make them they would never ever happen and i've teamed up with artists uh uh steven sanders and dalton rose and uh, I was going to have the first one be my first full-length comic book, and it was going to be a one-shot, and I thought that would give me some buzz. And the second one was a limited series that was a much more conventional, like um, uh, Hero's Journey, Stranger in a Strange Land, Coming-of-Age Tale. And I thought that one would actually get me work. The first one, I did not think at all would get me work because it's a it's a sci-fi love story about a cop who fucks his dog. Yeah. And it's, all right. And by the way, <laughs> that's... But, it's great. <laughs> it's really great.
3: You know, if you're if you're coming out to market, your first self publish, go go for broke. I, go that's in. That's exactly
5: what I, I I was like. Look, I have to get the attention somehow, and that's the high concept. That most people will, will not read the comic book. Most people will only know it from the high concept, right? So it's got to be attention grabbing in some way. Yeah. Um. I I honestly like once I decided to self publish, it was this thing where I was like. I'm just doing it. Like the train is leaving the station. And that's yeah, kind of how I, you know, it wasn't an anti-publisher thing by any means because I still kept going to the publishers and showing yeah. them this and being like, do you want to publish my dog sex book? And they'd be like, <laughs> oh, think about it. Uh, but, but literally, I, if any of them had said yes, I would have gone with them and not self-published. I mean, I, not only did I self-publish, but I self-distributed as well. There's a lot of trips mm-hmm. to the post office. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. So uh, the first one, the the dog textbook is called "Our Love Is Real." I mean, it's a love story. It's yeah. a really sweet book. I don't want you. I don't want you to give me no, the wrong idea.
2: It's doing a disservice, I think. I mean, I get the high concept thing, and yet, like, yes, the shock value of it as well. But also, it's well written. It's Thank well you. done, and I think and if it was beautifully wasn't, drawn.
5: Beautifully drawn. By it Steven, is absolutely. Yeah.
2: And if that if that wasn't the case, then it would be
5: kind of a cheap, yeah. you know, whatever. And, and you know, it's, it's funny how you talk about your POV on this because this was when that Tumblr scene was, like, really bopping, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes. like, like, that's how you – like, you knew me right before and right after, and you yeah. saw the hustle of me being, like, my comic's coming out. I don't know what's going to happen. Here's called Our Love Is Real. And, like, I, you know, everyone in the scene was, like, super supportive and reblogging it. Remember? Re-blogged? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. But everybody's, like, super supportive within, like, the scene, which was, like, so great and gratifying. But um, so I I printed, like, 300 copies because that's all I could afford and also all that I really had space for. And uh, I put out a press release, and I I did a little Dave and Goliath where I I took my weakness and turned it into a strength, and I called it a limited edition print run of 300 copies. And because of the high concept and a little bit of that, it blew up so hard. It blew up so fast. And I did a, a Beyonce drop before Beyonce did it. So you're welcome, <laughs> Beyonce Knowles, uh, where I didn't talk about it until the Monday before the Wednesday it came out. So I announced it on Monday or maybe that Friday, but right around there. And by Tuesday, I remember copies were already going on eBay for $150, even though it wasn't on sale yet. So, Oh my God. It blew, up. and and I was looking at like a stack this tall in my apartment. <laughs> like, uh, okay, uh. but the thing is, is I needed those copies because I used them as calling cards. I sent them to editors, I sent them to every almost every editor I knew, uh, big companies, small companies, uh, people I knew well, people I didn't know well, and I just kind of put it out there as like, hey, I made a comic, just like you know, I'm I'm like trying to get in, but uh, I just, I just went ahead and made a comic, so here it is. I hope you dig it. Um, and, and the comic really blew up, and it became very uh, uh, infamous and notorious. Um, and it got some people eBay gold, I'm sure. Uh, yes. but a, I bet. A, a couple months later, that uh, and I will shout him out. His name is Steve Wacker. He was an editor at Marvel Comics, uh, a great dude, very funny. I knew he would get the humor of the book. He now works out here at Marvel Studios. Um, but he... I sent one to him and he emailed me and uh, was like, I, I read Our Love Is Real. Congratulations. You did it. What's your phone number? Yes. And about 20 minutes later, I was on the phone with Axel Alonzo, the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. And he said, I read Our Love Is Real and I really loved it. And I want to know if you're ready to get in the mix of Marvel.
3: Yes.
5: And I said, I said, I just before we move forward, I need to make sure you actually read this book. <laughs> I need to make sure you know what you're getting into before you hire the dog sex guy. And he, just, and he laughed and he said, yes. And I said, I'm in. I'm doing Oh, my it. God. Help me in. That's incredible. But it really was like, so it, was, it was an incredible moment. I'm like getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And also it was incredible because my younger sister was visiting in town <gasps> when it all happened. Uh, she was like there, like witness <gasps> the phone I call. You just like, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> That's huge. It was like
5: such a beautiful moment. It was so great. Um. And so uh, that, like, really, it, it, took a, it took a couple months to find, like, the right project at Marvel, but, which they're very good about. But basically, that's the moment that sealed me in as a, as a full-time comic book writer. Like, from probably about January, the following January on, I was a full-time comic book writer. And it had, you know, I, I'm still glad I did that other book. It's called Sacrifice. It's about Aztecs and Joy Division. But I really thought, like, the more conventional book was going to be the one to get me in, to get me in the mix. But, you know, as, as a lot of people at Marvel said at the time, they're like, we already have a Brian Michael Bendis. We already have a Jonathan Hickman. And they're, and they're like, we don't need two Bendis's, We don't need two Hickmans. We're looking for people who can bring new voices into what we do here at Marvel. Ugh. Um, so yeah, so I was at Marvel for about four years, and then I was at DC for about four years. That's very, very cool. I mean, and and the thing is, like, again, it, it's so interesting
2: because I, I kind of feel like, again, we talk about this a lot, but indie video games are kind of uh, on the rise because just because computers are faster and and you know, Unity and you can make stuff or whatever. And and I think the you you really said something that really struck me, which is the singularity of a unique voice is never, is, is, that's it. I mean, like, if you want, like, be yourself and be true to yourself and tell the stories you want to tell, if yes. it's in comic books, video games, if you're painting, yes. whatever it is. Trying to be like other people, why? You know, like, mm-hmm. be yeah. yourself.
5: I and, I and I talk about this all the time when I talk about that moment where I was like, what two books am I going to self-publish? Because a lot of times, not just in comics or video games, but in any entertainment field, like, we look at something and be like, oh, it's just, they just spun two wheels of high concepts and one landed on, like, Die Hard and one landed on, like, SeaWorld. It's like, Die Hard <laughs> and Sea World. Yeah. Like, somebody was going to make that movie if I didn't do it. You know what I mean? But, like, you really want to, like, like you want to show off what you can bring to the table. And on an even sort of, like, deeper, more meaningful level, um, this this comic artist named Jesse Hamm, who uh, was really kind of, like, a philosopher of comics. He passed away in the past year, unfortunately. But he always said that um, somebody out there needs a comic that only you can create it doesn't have to be the best comic it doesn't have to be better than anybody else's comic but they need something that only you can say and only you can make
3: i love that i
5: think that is so true i think there's more than one there's more than one of those people but i i think you know it's tough you know we we have so much access in whatever field we're in to information about game sales or this person got signed or this announcement or that announcement, it's like so easy to like second guess yourself into oblivion or really just in a mediocrity. You know, yes. it's really easy to second Which is guess worse. yourself. Worse into, than yeah, oblivion. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so I, I I think it's really important to go out there and make the comic only you can make.
3: Yes. And I love, you know, again, what you were saying about just bringing your own voice to the table and how mm-hmm. there's so many different stories to be able to tell. And it does take a little bit of going outside of the box to, Put out a, a comic like your first comic, and even <laughs> and even talking to uh, <laughs> very gently put, very
5: gently put, well done,
3: and even talking to you know uh, Kevin Smith, and uh, we were talking to him about this about when he was making Clerks, like just taking oh my God. Go, something yes, that's out right of the there. box, something super out of the box, um, you know, game developers, a lot of game developers who are self-publishing uh, something like Stardew Valley that was like a one person team creating something that that's just blown up. So there's so many people um you know now I imagine that are maybe listening to this or that follow you that are maybe in that position where they have a voice that they want to they want to bring to the table. They have a story that they want to tell, but like you had experienced, you know, a while back where you have a little bit of momentum and you feel like you hit all these roadblocks. People are like, "Oh, I don't know if I would publish a dog sex yeah. book but uh like how fair, what, fair
4: what,
5: response, would you, huh?
3: <laughs> what would you what would you say to them to uh you know push through that and and bring their own voice to the table and take that chance
5: god that is such a good question and that's something that i always struggle with on every project i mean it's it's a larger question about like being human and being alive and like and discovering your own inner voice um you know what what do you really feel about about something about an issue or a cause or an emotion, how how can you put it in in terms that are universal, and then how can you encode it in some in a in a story or a game or something so that people are entertained while you're trying to express something to them? Yeah, and. Uh, you know, I, I've I've lost some some parents over the years. I know Blay has too. We bonded over that and some siblings and stuff. And talking about death in my comics was something that I really shied away from for a while because I felt like I was profiting on it, or it was something like so big and so profound that I couldn't possibly comment on it in a way that was meaningful to other people. Like it just felt like, you know, who who am I to to box with God on on such a such a big Big thing or big idea, but to anybody listening, I, I think those are the things you really got to run towards. It, it's got to be something in your life that impacted you like so hard that it, it feels like a trauma that you can't even get past. Um, and and it's got to be something big, you know, yep. like it's yep. got to be something big. Like death is something that we're all literally going to experience in one form or another, whether it's to somebody we love or, or or something that that happens to us. And you don't have to solve every answer i i certainly didn't that's for fucking sure but <laughs> you yeah you, you know you don't have to provide every solution for every person out there but sometimes it just helps to for somebody to read something when they're when they're going through grief to be like i'm not the only person going through this or i'm not the only person who, who's asking these questions you can you can ask the questions and sometimes that's more impactful than trying to answer them absolutely
2: You know one thing I, again, I, I really think is so incredible is just the amount that you are able as a human being to create. you specifically, Sam, like the amount oh, of stories you have <laughs> told and the amount of thing, you know, tales you have told and 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 not just in page count, but just in in themes and all these other things. How do you do that? Like you're well. I am in yeah. awe. You're well. It feels like never runs
5: dry. So in comic books, we have a real problem with being too insular. Mm. We, a comic book creators, like, we all grew up reading the same shit. And sometimes mm-hmm. it happens where, like, even the big stories, like, there was a period of time where Marvel and DC, the big, their big, both their big summer stories had, like, a, on the broad strokes, a very similar plot. And we're all like, "How'd that happen?" And I'm like, "Duh, we all read the same <laughs> shit growing up. I'm like, come on! You put the same stuff in the
2: machine; it's gonna spit the same stuff out."
5: Exactly, exactly. So, I, I think um, I, this this also helps in terms of like differentiating yourself as a creator. But also, when you feel stuck, then when I feel stuck, the number one thing I try to do is go. Outside of comics. I try uh, to sit down. I walk away from whatever I'm banging my fucking head on for a week. And I try to go do something completely different or try to absorb something different. Definitely not comic books. Maybe not even something that's reading. Um, I remember uh, I was writing Nightwing and I, <laughs> I had a, a, a scene where I had to get or I had a, a transition. I didn't know how to make it work. I had to get Nightwing to sneak into a casino in a bachelorette party so he could pretend to be a stripper. <laughs> and I couldn't Classic. figure out how to get him there in the amount of pages I had. It's a lot of pieces put together. Yeah. A lot of pieces. But he's got a great butt. And people <laughs> love does. to see Nightwing's butt. So we're gonna do it. So I was, yes! I was like, this is gonna happen. Uh, but I, I, I this was, and it's, it, like you read the comic now and it's not like the most innovative thing I'd come up with or anybody just couldn't fucking figure it out. And what did I do? I walked away, and I went to go see, of all things, Coco, the Disney Pixar film. Huh. And in the middle of Coco, I was like, that's how he's going to get in. Because <laughs> of something they had on the screen that has nothing to do with a casino, or butts, or strippers, or bachelorette party, you know, or even superheroes, or even the tone. Just all completely different. But just some, just some turn of the plot, just some scene that they had... It kicked something off in my head. Well, not even a direct inspiration, it just kicked something off in my head. And it, it, sitting there in the theater, I was like, that's it. And I did the thing you're not supposed to do. I took my phone out and I lit the screen up because I had to write it down. Because if I didn't remember it, I would have been screwed. Everyone's me. like, but, oh, this uh, guy. And they're like, put yeah. <laughs> your phone away. And they're like, oh, it no, wait, off. Sam. Yeah, Night, Nightwing does have hey, a good asshole. butt, Sam. Yeah, be like, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 no, this is it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think I really like cultivate interests and we all have them but i think sometimes when we're so enmeshed in video games or comic books or whatever like we feel like that's what all we can talk about or all we can be absorbed in you know go go see that five and a half hour swedish film go to the museum you know get buy an art history book off of amazon and just start flipping through it and see what happens um or you know like if if y'all were like we feel stuck in our show i'd be like Go listen to a podcast like a like that five hour long history podcast that people love. Not oh, for, history, for me, yeah. but, like, <laughs> but like, but like, go listen to some somebody doing something that's completely different from what you're doing. Yeah, and not only hopefully it will kick something loose in your head, but you'll be able to bring something to the table that nobody else in your field is bringing to the table. Yeah,
3: again, it just it keeps going back to just getting out of your box. Putting stuff out that's outside of your box, getting ideas Definitely. and inspiration, and being a sponge for things outside of your box, and just diversifying your portfolio of knowledge and your portfolio of things you can pull from. Um, yeah, there's something so so important about that, and even diversifying your talents, which you have done amazingly, from so many different comic books and into hosting, and also yeah, cre- and yeah. also writing for games.
5: Yes, yes, I wrote for a video game. Incredible uh, I wrote for Marvel Contest of Champions, which I, I, you know, they brought me in on. I was like, this, this looks great. This is gonna be a great game. I'm gonna love it. Did not expect for it to be a hundred million global downloads <laughs> or whatever the number is. I don't even know. But uh, I, I remember after it came out, being in an Uber uh, with my girlfriend at the time and some friends and the Uber driver was playing it during red lights. Oh I'm my like, God. Holy shit. Is that contest a champion? He's like trying to hide it away. Like I busted him for like doing something bad, which he was, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but. I, was like, I wrote that line of dialogue. I wrote that line of dialogue. That's I'm wild. Like, so weird. Yeah. Oh, so, that's uh, but it, but it, doing that kind of stuff, like can you're absolutely right, Sonia, it can only improve what, what it is you feel like you may have just left. And you never left it behind. Like, I never left comics behind to do video games or hosting. Like, I always come back to it. And when I do, I bring something new, something I didn't have before. You know, it's just like a trick or two, you know? Like, there's something else there.
2: We're getting close to being out of time, but I need to ask you. I need to ask you. Yes, yes, yes. If you were to write another video game, but on your own, because again, self-publishing in video games is a big thing, Mm -hmm. and you have all these great like very unique ideas. Is there anything that springs to mind a story you'd want to tell in a video game format?
5: I think, you know, one thing I've always wanted to see and I would love to write is people often derive der- derisively, derisively. I'm the writer here. Derisively. <laughs> yeah. Derisively talk about fanfic, like like MCU fanfic, oh. and they and they and, and they'll talk about the the, the shorthand is a is a coffee shop AU. Like, they're, like, oh, fan fiction, fan fiction writers, they just want, like, to see Steve and Bucky, like, running a coffee shop together. Uh, and, uh, like, what kind of story is that? Like, blah, like, that's, like, I actually think that would be great. I think that would be a great story. <laughs> Honestly. there's great fix out there about Bucky and Steve running a coffee shop together. Also, I would love to see, like, a Marvel video game that's, like, um, like Chopped or something like that. <gasps> you know what oh, I yeah. mean? Like, yes. Where it's like cute little Cap and Bucky and the rest of the Avengers and they have to like keep up with all the customers. Like that could be a lot of fun. And just like the, I, I bet like you could do so much fun with like the dialogue in that. I think that'd be a great time. Oh, Absolutely. That's a good idea. <laughs> so Marvel, if you're listening, That's my idea,
2: yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, look, we are almost out of time, which which is is a tragedy. I can't believe it's so fast. A travesty, I know. So we like to end every interview with uh, asking our guest their least favorite game and their most favorite game. And again, it's not the worst game in the world, it's to you. Yes. The worst game, and to you, the best game. So let's start bad. Let's start let's with start the game. With bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't get it, we'll get in. Because we like to go out. We like to end in a high note.
5: We go low, we end high. We're going to start down deep in the pit of E.T., the video game. Sure. Oh, on Atari 2600. The literal Atari pit. Atari 2600, the literal pit <laughs> that you cannot get out of. Uh, I, I, I Atari 2600 was my first video game console, my first video game system wood paneling baby Oof. things have never been the same we need more wood paneling in our please, consoles please don't make Some them like fun. they used to I I know. can you imagine
2: by the way a playstation 5 with wood
5: paneling yes oh, I can yes. my god yes please. I can and I love it I <laughs> might have to customize mine I don't know um, but uh, I so I had E.T. the video game and only later did I uh, learn how infamous it was in the dumpster and the legend and like all that kind of stuff and in my head, I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. I played a lot of that game. And then I tried <laughs> playing as an adult. I was like, oh, this is shit. What, what was wrong with me? It's Why did I play it so
3: Unbelievable.
5: Nice? <laughs> Unbelievably bad. Why did um, they do that to us? Why did they do that? Why? I mean, you heard the story, I'm sure. I You're
2: know, familiar. but it's, just, it's crazy to me. I will say anytime anything, like even like a candy bar tastes bad. I'm like, people had to taste this. Before it right, came like out. how
5: did it get, like a lot of people had to approve this.
2: Mm-hmm. I played that game or made that, ter- and we're like, yup, this is what we want to do. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh
5: man, shock. Time crunch. So,
2: Oof. Time, crunch.
5: It's a ti- time, time crunch and nobody with the guts to say this sucks. Too much ET money to be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, so my best game, I, I, I have a lot of best games that I feel like a lot of people would say like Breath of the Wild is definitely up there for me. Mario Kart, just so many memories. But I would have to go with Civilization, which I'm actually playing right now, Uh, which I have played since the very first Civilization started on like a Mac 2 SE or whatever back in the day. Uh, I, I played on Xbox. I played, I think, almost every numbered sequel throughout the years um and it's just it's just one of those games that has been such a a constant to me and it changes and they evolve it and it gets better for sure I'm not taking that away from them but like the core appeal can never ever change it's a game called civilization you know what I mean like and there's something that's so comforting to me about it and also like I I play it sometimes like when I feel like I need to like defrag my brain Like there's something about it when I like immerse myself in it and I immerse myself in those structures of that gameplay and thinking about the French or what technology I'm going to do next or massing my armies or, you know, just all that kind of stuff. There's something about it that, that kind of like takes the pieces of my my jumbled brain and puts them in some kind of like more uh, usable order. It's kind of like cleaning up your office space or something like that. I love that.
3: And I love the idea of certain video games are like a defrag for your brain. I love that concept. Mm
5: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah,
3: because
2: that, you know what? And now that you're, we haven't really talked about that, but now that you're saying it, like I, like games like that to me would be, Like Fallout Three, I would like come home, and I mean my whatever was going on, you know, like work is on fire, life is on fire, and I would like wander the wasteland and just like like the the and like the music and stuff, it would do that. It would like it was like a zen, it was like a zen garden with the with the sand. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's that's Mm -hmm. what you're doing, and because and I think it's part of the reason might be, and and you tell me if this is right or wrong, but it's like kind of expected. And so it's like, I kind of know what I'm getting, right? Like, I don't have to. It's not an activation. My brain is not activated, but there's enough there to activate it that it's not going to fall asleep. It's like some weird sine wave.
5: Yeah. You know? it's, it's like, it's not like, it's not like if you're playing like Doom for the first time where you're constantly like jump scared and you're constantly yeah, on edge. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's definitely like, you know what to expect, but it's engaging enough on some sort of level that, like you're right, like the sine wave in your brain can get like, like wrap around. I don't know, Tanya. Do you sick. have a Do you have a game like that? Can you think oh, of a game that does that for you? A
3: thousand percent. I do this with shows all the time too. Where at the end of the day, Ooh, yeah. I'm like, I'm so tired. I don't want to watch something that I really need to think and like really involve myself in. And I'll throw on Love Island. I'm like, I know the concept. <gasps> I'm like, I get where it's going. Girl, are you caught
0: up? Wait, which
3: oh one? Which
5: one? The new, the, the one that's happening right now. I haven't yet. I haven't yet. Oh my god! I went
3: back. I went to Australia. I needed the accents. It was inc- It's been inc- <laughs> incredible. It's
5: been incredible. But that I'm, I'm UK okay. only. I'm UK only. Oh, okay, only. okay. okay. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah.
2: need. I need to get caught up. But, I've never seen it. I've never seen Love Island. What like,
1: am I missing? It's
3: such a you're missing a, a good brain defrag, honestly. <laughs>
5: Yes, that's yeah, what it is. You really is. are. You really are. <laughs> but
3: uh, but video game wise, something the first thing I thought of was uh, League of Legends. And you know, I've been playing it forever mm-hmm. and it's something that it's it's comfortable. I know what to expect. I know the champions that I play, the same builds, but it's it's the same patterns, but it's it's still engaging enough that I need to pay attention to the map and there's different variables. So it I think that definitely falls into the same category for me.
5: I love it. Sam Humphries, thank you so much. This oh, a my God. Delight. Wait. Can I, can I just say? What? Uh, I No, I, I want to come on here, and I want to blow up your spot, dude. I want to embarrass you on your own show. Uh, we'll cut this, we'll say, cut this out. We'll cut this out. We'll cut this out. No, you better not. You better not. I just want to say for all the people who listen to you and watch you on YouTube and have watched you and listened to you for years and feel like they know you, I just want them all to know that they truly do. I want everyone to know that Aaron Blair is just as amazing and sweet and smart and enthusiastic and just as much of an awesome guy in real life as he is on all these shows and stuff. It's always amazing to see your friends succeed and I'm so proud of you and all your success but I'm doubly proud of you because you did it by being yourself. Aw. Thank you. So I just want to say I'm proud of you. I love you. And congratulations on everything.
2: Well, thank you. And likewise, because I can't take a compliment right back (laughs) at you. Thank you so much. Wow. You know, I don't get embarrassed easy, but I am blushing. I, it's either I'm blushing or it's a rash all over my face. So one of the two. Thank you again to Sam Humphreys uh, for joining us. And what a, what a great, inspiring conversation. That was fantastic.
3: Uh, he was such a joy. And you two are so, <laughs> so sweet. Ship two it. peas ship in a pod. It. I ship
2: it. Uh, ship it. I
3: loved it. And, you know, I think we're going to need a little break after <sighs> that. I Just it. a quick break. But stick around. We are going to be right back.
2: All right, so welcome back. So a few weeks ago, we learned something fantastic. We learned that our our lovely producer, uh, Jen Samples, has gone all in on Stardew Valley. Uh, Mm -hmm. I believe playing for 30, that's three zero hours, in a (laughs) single weekend. Are there even, are
3: there there some champion numbers, champion numbers.
2: I didn't even know there were that many hours in a weekend. Uh, So (laughs) we thought we'd check in with Jen once again for another Stardew update and see where she's at. Jen, how's Stardew Valley going?
4: All right, so still all in, still playing a lot, still thinking about it constantly. Yes. Now I'm in this phase where I have like a good grasp on the game and now it's all about efficiency oh, no. and structure of my farm. And I'm in winter right now, so I'm just like waiting until spring when I can go hard and recreate this farm. I have some intense sprinkler systems that I really want to get going for the spring. Meanwhile, on my co-op farm with my girlfriend, she is now married to Leah. (gasps) Oh, The drama. There was a wedding. Did you attend? I did not attend because we weren't together. We were, were, it was like during the work week. And she called me after and she's like, I have something to tell you. And I was like, oh goodness, what? (laughs) And she was like, it happened really fast, but Leah and I just got married. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like there's almost a little regret on her end because now she's like, Leah is in my house at all times. I don't have any <laughs> space. And I'm like, that's what you get. But yeah, so that, that's the big update was there was a wedding.
2: Jim, what do you think Stardew Valley has taught you about yourself and the way you live in the real world?
4: I feel like it's taught me, which I don't think is totally true in real life, but at least in the game, I am so antisocial. Really? i just beeline it past wow. any of the challenge people i'm like clint i don't have time to talk about your blacksmith shop no gifts no romance you're like i'm i'm here for the caves baby at wow. first i was trying to romance emily i would bring her a beer every night and then i was like oh. and then no and then one time i did bring her something and all she said was this gift disgusts me <gasps> and i was like <gasps> okay Bye. <laughs> See
5: ya. Wait, no, wait.
2: Can I can I say a thing which is like, I've long thought who we are in video games. Video games give us the chance to explore if we could be someone else, right? Or who mm-hmm. that person might be without fear of social repercussions. Now, I wouldn't say antisocial at all because I think you are very social. But I will say you know you do like to go off on these trips into the wilderness yes. a lot. You like to hike a lot. So I wonder if you really, you know, like the person you are in Stardew Valley is maybe closer. And I'm not, I don't want to say antisocial because I think that's negative. And I don't think there's another word for it that I don't know what that would be. Adventurous but spirit. Adventurous spirit, I would say. I
4: enjoy my alone time and I don't have, I don't have time to just be given gifts all the time. Let's be real. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I love this. I love this. Do you play Stardew? Like what, have you? Because now I'm curious if you're just going to be like the people pleaser giving gifts to everyone in the town at all times.
2: <laughs> you know what? It's going to be really embarrassing to say. I started playing it and then I didn't like who I was in the game when I Oh, it.
4: no. And no. I think,
2: guys, I think that says it all. Sonia, uh, how do you feel like you are in real life versus the people you play when you're playing games?
3: Oh, my gosh. Well, if we're thinking of Stardew Valley, I, it's it's funny because I feel like I'm almost a cross section between the two. I I need to have my alone time. I need to go on my adventures. I'm like highly ambitious. I have all these goals set out. But then I still go way out of my way to talk to everybody and try and wow. please the town. And wow. I feel like I just, I try to do too much. I say yes to everything, which is totally like me in real life. Now I'm putting it together. Okay.
4: Guys. It's a lot of psychology here. Yeah. started psychology.
2: I love this. This is one of our deepest segments we've ever had. This is great. I'm loving this, guys. This is fantastic. Also, for those of you listening, uh, let us know if if you play the same person in games as you feel like you are in real life. Give me your Stardew psychology. Yeah, exactly. Give us your Stardew psychology. by uh, hitting us at GGNT on Twitter uh, or the hashtag GGNT or the hashtag Stardew Psychology. <laughs> if you can spell psychology, which I can't.
3: Kudos to you if you so can. Is there a J
2: in there somewhere? I don't know. Uh, silent. Oh, the J is silent.
3: Uh, if you want to prescribe us a video game, if you have a recommendation, things we could play, anything for our book game club, what do you want to join game us in playing? It's game, game book, book club. game book
4: club. Damn
3: it. We're going to have to workshop that. Uh, tweet us <laughs> at hashtag GGNT. Or if you would love to include it in a review on Apple Podcasts, we can chat about it on the air, and we will see your lovely faces
2: next week. Five stars, baby. Good game, nice tries. Produced by Jed Samples and Nick Liao. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Engineering by Will Beckton, with engineering and sound design by Chester Gwazda. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Khan. Special thanks to Lisa Berm. Music by John Danik. Stardew Valley playing by Jen Samples. Samples, Samples, Samples.
4: This has been a Team Coco production.
0: Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince rag and bone adidas joe's mark jacobs and more great brands great prices every day at nordstrom rack but hurry for first dibs get your summer favorites up to 60 percent off at nordstrom rack today great brands great prices that's why you rack